Okay, <clears throat> let's see here. Tonight is speaker night, and we've got not one but two speakers tonight. And two of the best speakers in Austin, as a matter of fact. Okay. We've, we've got Bob and we've got Matt, and uh, they volunteered to share their experience, strength, and hope. Um, and um, I'm going to let them come up here and tell us. Thank you. Um, is this, are we taping this? Yeah. All right. I'm Bob, I'm alcoholic. Um, <laughs> grateful to be here. Uh, I got here early tonight and uh, was asked to speak, so I didn't have time to get freaked out. Um, but I'll, yeah, I'll talk till about 8.30, I think, and then <clears throat> probably let Matt have it. Um, and I like to say, you know, A, save my life. Uh, I do believe that, and I act like it some of the time, or most of the time, somewhere between some and most of the time, I act like A, save my life. Um, and then the rest of the time, I act like um, a selfish, uh, entitled person. Um, so I've been, I came back in in June of 2015, so I like that it's 2020 because that sounds like I've been sober five years. I haven't, you know, I, I'm, I'll have five in June, but, but I just noticed that I, I like the math of the 20 and the 15. Right. Um, and, uh, I had come back in to AA, um, on Martin Luther King Day of 2015 and I'd really been struggling to put any time together. And I, I, um, I was at a hotel bar uh, for the, uh, the playoff, the NFL playoffs. I was at a hotel bar, and, and I realized at that bar that I was the guy that everyone kind of felt sorry for, and I was that guy at the bar. And um, I went to Allendale, I think, the next day. And um, I, uh, I put together, you know, I guess... I had a slip on June 15th of 2020, or 2015, and I stayed out for four or five days and then came back in, so it set my date as 6-2015. Um, so, obviously that wasn't my first brush with AA, so I'll try to like walk you through what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Um, I went into counseling in 2001 for a clonopin problem. I um, some of you are not old enough to remember, but in 2001, there was a, a thing called 9-11, and there was like a, a cultural change where a lot of behaviors that kind of seemed okay on September 10 kind of seemed different on September 12. And I was one of those people who was kind of forced to take a look at his life on September 12th and realize that uh, things had gotten pretty bad, and I was kind of just fucking around with clonopin, that's a, a downer, and I was just kind of taking it and not really doing much else. And um, I knew there was something wrong, I just didn't know, I didn't know what it was. Um, and I went into uh, a friend of mine's work, and she had told me when I got to work, her work, that there was someone on the phone for me, which is very strange to walk into someone's office and have them say, there's someone on the phone for you. Um, so I got on the phone and this woman was worked at a treatment center and said, your friend connect, connected us up and she wanted us to talk to you about coming into counseling. And I was like, oh boy. Um, 
So I started seeing a counselor about the clonopin, and I believe that that counselor diagnosed me as an alcoholic 15 minutes into our first conversation. Um, she did not tell me that. Um, she met with me a number of times subsequent to that, and then she said, you know, if you go to one of those meetings, um, you can come back to counseling and tell me what it was like. Um, and I, I know now that she knew that if she said, you need to go to AA, you're a fucking alcoholic, that I would have just been freaked out. And um, so I went, you know, on my, my fact-finding mission to this meeting, and it was great. It was in November of 2001, and it was in Beverly Hills, and I just really liked it, you know. Um, I remember I saw the steps on the wall, and I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Like, the way that the steps were so foreign to me and the way that I didn't really want to deal with my problem um, was kind of perfect, you know? So, it's not that I was an AA tourist, because I really liked AA, and in Los Angeles there's no stigma to be an alcoholic, there's no stigma to going to AA meetings, it's all like a big social club there. Um, and there are people very serious about AA, and there's a lot of people like me in 2002. I went a lot, but I didn't really think I was an alcoholic. I, like I say, I knew there was a problem. I kind of thought I had this kind of cute pill problem, right? And that I was there to help me with my kind of interesting pill problem. But I didn't relate to the people in the book who, you know, I didn't relate to Bill's story in the book at all at that point. Um, and I mostly read stories in the back because I thought they were interesting, but I, I didn't connect with the idea of the things that the book says about an alcoholic. So um, I was still far away from the idea, like the doctor's opinion and the things that it says in the doctor. I was still pretty far away from that stuff. Um, my life got a lot better that year, and I relapsed in 2003. Um, and things had gotten... I had gotten so comfortable in AA, my friends all knew me as like a sober person, and so um, it was uncomfortable for me to be a guy who had relapsed and was drinking around people, right? They were freaked out. Um, I remember being at a Lapang Quotidian on Melrose and drinking a beer and thinking it was fine, and a friend of mine, the one who'd gotten me to go into the counseling in the first place, looking at me like I was completely insane. And I was like, well, I don't really want to be around that anymore. You know, I don't want to be around people who think I'm insane. So I moved to Austin in the end of um, 2003. And uh, I remember I came to Bolden, I think, in January, February of 2004. Um, and someone was reading How It Works, and they were reading it too slowly. And I left. <laughs> so that's where I was at, right? I was like, well, AA's dumb, that person is dumb, Bolden is dumb, and I'm not, I'm not going to stay. Um, so I bottomed it back out in July of 04, right? And uh, I was drinking a lot of gin and eating a lot of Oxycontin. And if you do that, then sometimes you don't wake up, right? Um, so that, I know that a couple times I kind of had these little brushes with too much drugs and alcohol. Um, and so, like I said, I came back in July 104 and I stayed back in for 
50 months, 5-0 months, 1,500 days. And I loved AA, and I really did it. I did the steps. Um, things got good. A lot of career stuff that I had wanted to happen happened to me in 2008 and 2009. And it was funny because uh, having relapsed in September of 08, all these great things happened to me work-wise in 09, 2010, 2011, 2012. And I thought it was just because I was awesome, right? But it was because of AA. I mean, all the, all the things that got set in motion over those four years and two months of sobriety kind of were coming true after the fact. I call it the Bill Clinton economy where things are you know cool for a while because you had someone running the economy who kind of knew what they were doing for a while again that's unfortunately a dated reference <laughs> um, anyway so um, from September of 08 up to where I brought you in January of 2015 I really struggled to put together more than a few months here and there um, I was able to do kind of this manageable, self-knowledge type of sobriety, and, and um, I wasn't really able to, to go back all in the way I'd been in, say, like, 06 and 07. And I'm a guy today who's, like, really aware of how strange that is, how you can sort of be in the very thick of it in AA, and then you can just, like, fall off, and you can't get back, and it's the strangest thing. Um, and when I had my slip slash relapse in June of 2015, I met with a friend of mine, um, Jermaine, who's in the rooms, and I was legitimately terrified by how far away AA seemed, um, like, even though it was, like, right there. And it's, like, that's weird mystical shit that I don't really understand. Like, he's, like, literally sitting there at Galano saying, well, just come back into a meeting, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't know how, or, you know, like, it's very confusing. Um, and so I think that's contributed to my coming back in, was kind of like really committing to it and getting, getting back in. Um, a big thing that happened to me when I came back in was I started going to Shoal Creek to the detox meeting, and I didn't know about that meeting. It's a three- to four-minute drive from my house. And it had been there all those years. I never knew about it. Um, and they have these nice people who come down from the fifth floor or whatever, and they wear disposable clothes, and they tell you how horrible drugs and alcohol are. And they're pretty reliable. I mean, there's a fresh supply of them coming in. <laughs> and they have the same thing to say, which is that, you know, it ends the same way. Like, if you're not dead, um, it's disposable clothes because you're bleeding, shitting, pissing, vomiting on yourself, right? Like, they don't want to put real clothes on you. Um, so I started going to that meeting a lot. Um, I met my sponsor there, sort of circled him for a while without really knowing I was doing that, but I know one day he came to the meeting, this would have been in, I always get a little emotional right now, but he came to this meeting in like uh, August or September of 2015, and he had this fourth step paperwork and he said kind of to anyone, he's like, oh, I was supposed to meet someone who was going to do this paperwork. And I remember I was sitting looking across at him and I'm like, I'm going to do that shit with him. You know, I'm going to do that with him. I had this moment. And um, so he took me through a very thorough, smart four and five, 
got me into six and seven, got me into eight and nine with some actual mm -hmm. commitment to not be afraid about financial amends, which I'd always been in the past. Um, he got me really committed to like letters to deceased relatives, things like that, that I always thought were kind of weird and dumb. Um, he did all that stuff with me in a very simple, direct way and kind of got me over a hurdle that I, I'm not sure I'd ever gotten over, even when I was kicking ass in 2006 and 2007, there was still a lot of financial fear for me. I didn't want to pay my debts. I thought I would be poor. I didn't want to pay back student loans, things like that. I still kind of don't like paying my debts. Um, but today I see that there's a point to it uh, in a way that I never really had before. Um, and I'm not good at it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I, I know how to do it and I'm, I'm I, um, I simply am willing to take his direction when he says, you know, you have to do this stuff. Um, and uh, he also did the thing that sponsors do during step five where he says, you know, is there anything you don't want to tell me? And I got over that kind of hump with a couple things that, um, that as I've said in meetings, like he, he then created a dynamic with him where I was willing to kind of tell him stuff I didn't want to tell him. So now that's our dynamic, right? Like if, if I'm talking to him and I don't want to tell him something, usually I do, right? And I've also called him every day for the last four years and six months. And um, that's not an exaggeration. And he's a busy uh, professional person. He always picks up the phone, always. Um, and yes, there have been a handful of cases where he didn't pick up the phone, but um, the guy puts AA first, right? And so. And as I was saying, like, he's one of these guys, you, you start working with him and then realize he's sponsored a billion people um, and he never lets on. So I, I really benefited enormously from his um, help. And I've tried to sponsor a couple of you guys and am kind of horrible at it um, and confused and desperate and, and bad at it um, in a way that I... I usually just feel sorry for the people I'm sponsoring and wish that they had somebody like him, right? Um, but I'm willing to sponsor people, and I'm sure everyone is going to ask me to sponsor them after the meeting. So <laughs> my sterling recovery. Um, anyway, what else? Um, I... Uh, I don't know. I don't. I didn't talk much about my drinking, but like, make mo no mistake. Like, like, I know that I. I did say that I came in with a pill problem. By the end of my drinking, I, I couldn't have drugs around me because I would just like take them. So, I'm one of those guys who like. I really had to just drink cheap beer and wine by the end because I couldn't drink hard alcohol, and I couldn't take drugs. So. I became like your classic, I had a place to live, but I mean, I became your classic like shitty alcohol drinker, right? Um, I would drink that horrible Trader Joe's wine. Um, and because I'm classy, I wouldn't get the worst wine, but I'd get the second worst Trader Joe's wine. And I, so I drank a lot of that. Um, part of my story is like I was managing my alcoholism, but I would drink four Guinness and a bottle of sake like every night, right? and this little baby aspirin Xanax that they gave me, um, like this, this really bad generic Xanax that anyone can take except you guys. Um, yeah. 
It's just, it wasn't. Anyway, I was able to take it without overdosing. Um, and I was kind of managing things that way with, with um, and I just like, I just don't recommend living your life like that. Um, and starting the day drinking, drinking all day, and um, on uh, tearing down all the career stuff that I'd built uh, over, you know, 2010, 11, 12. Um, I pulled a lot of that apart in the process. So anyway, I'm kind of jumping around and um, I'm almost out of time, depending on who you ask. Um, but you know, I'm a guy, I'm very grateful to be sober. I go to four or five meetings a week now. Um, I like going to meetings, which I didn't think was gonna happen to me again. I sort of thought the honeymoon was over and that I wouldn't, um, I don't expect meetings to be entertaining. I don't think it's the job of the meeting to entertain me anymore. I used to think that, if you're thinking that right now. Um, but I, um, I really do kind of go to the meeting on the give in a way that I, I, um, I don't know, it's just kind of happened. Um, but that sounds kind of preachy and dumb, I think. Um, anyway, grateful to be here. And that's about it. Thank you.